0: world of small business, data is everything. It helps us to control cash flow, maintain client relationships, streamline basic and complex processes, and gives us, the small business owner, the confidence to know the decisions we make are based on real, up-to-date information. And the explosion of cloud-based accounting software is what has given small business this power of on-demand financial data in ways we could not have dreamed of only a few short years ago. In fact... In times of crisis like these, it's been a saving grace, the one true source of truth that we can rely on. But in what other ways beyond the way that you use your data are those software companies using that data to help create change? Welcome to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd, whether you're listening live on the community radio network or via podcast, here's the show where you learn from experts, be inspired by journeys and discover more about making your small business a success. I'm Alexi Boyd, broadcaster, advocate and small business owner. Let's meet today's guests. I'm delighted to be joined today by Trent Innes, Managing Director of Xero Australia and Asia, to talk to Small Business Matters about the power of data, not only to drive the direction of business, but how it guides policymakers and decision makers at the top. Welcome to the show, Trent.
1: Thank you so much, Alexi. Fantastic to be with you again.
0: Indeed. It's, it's great to have a chat um, and it's good to talk about data because my God, has that been such a driving force and so important for small businesses um, in, in these last few months. I mean, it's, it's just been crucial, hasn't it?
1: Absolutely. And I, and I will confess I am a bit of a data geek at heart. And so I, I love, I mean, the, the data is one thing, but I love the stories that data can tell and the insights and the, insight the stories you can pull off the data is the most important thing.
0: Exactly. And look, I will say that, you know, here we're going to be talking about what zero does for, for data and for small business. We should, of course, preface this with um, if you're looking for financial products, you should always check with an advisor, right. a fantastic bookkeeper, bass agent, or perhaps um, your accountant. So, let's just preface that with a little bit of a um, a, a quick <laughs> a note on those things.
1: So Absolutely.
0: So, Trent, I'm really um, I'm, I'm keen to talk to you about a couple of different things today. Yeah. Firstly, let's talk about the Small Business Insights Program because uh, that's been really interesting, the evolution of that in the last few years. But tell me, why did you begin this program at zero? Because this was your baby, wasn't it?
1: It actually was my baby, yeah. So, so back in, um, back in 2017 at XeroCon, which is our annual partner conference, we actually launched Zero Small Business Insights. But we'd been working on it probably for about six months before that. And really, there, the reason I wanted to do it is that there's actually not a lot of information out there about small business. And so, most of the information up to that date was was either through the Australian Bureau of Statistics, you know, the ABS, which is still a relatively small sample set when you think about the overall scale of small business in Australia. It was information from the tax office potentially, but that was very sort of single-sided, or it was actually survey-based. And so, there actually wasn't a lot of information out there. And we thought we're in a bit of a unique position here that if we took some of the data on on the platform and looked at it at an aggregated anonymous level – so, I'm always really – I really want to say it's always aggregated anonymous – we could hopefully start to shine some light on what was really happening in the small business economy out there in much more real-time than anybody's ever been able to do before. And that was that was really the basis of what it was about. Back then, it was very simple. Um, you know, the, the metrics I looked at the metrics we showed back here at Zerocon in 2017 were very simple. So, at a high level, we showed for those customers on our platform, platform that met certain criteria, and we can talk about the definitions a bit later, uh, it looked at cash flow. So, how many small businesses were cash flow positive at any point in time? how long was it taking for them to get paid, so what were payment times. We were looking at hiring information, so we were looking at part-time, full-time, and casual, and you know, was that actually growing or shrinking. Uh, we were looking at uh, we're looking at overseas income, so we were looking at, for example, uh, how were people trading overseas, and I was really interested to know were small businesses importing or exporting, and we were looking uh, at the adoption of cloud at that point in time. But the really key thing I think we were showing, I think this is the most, this is the real magic of it, we were actually showing the trend lines over time. So at that point in time, we were showing the last 12 months and looking at the trend to see what's actually happening and I think that's where it gets really interesting.
0: And that's where it gets really interesting for those who want access to that information. Obviously, as a small business owner, you can access that information and your advisors can access it as well, which is really handy. But um, broadly, as a society, where do you think that that information started to fill in the gaps
1: yeah, so it definitely got some immediate pickup, um, absolutely. And we also had a number of government agencies start to reach out to us as well and say, you know, we'd be really interested in, in those sort of insights. What, what do they mean? Um, and so, you know, we, we, we produce now a monthly pack, which is one for the public, and we do a media pack as well, which is a subset of the public pack uh, that has a bit more commentary in it. And we work really closely with a couple of partners in that space as well. So the predominant one we work with is Alpha Beta, who actually help uh, actually help um, overlay that sort of economic analysis um, of, of the insights that we produce.
0: Let's talk about that aggregation piece, because I think that anybody who um, knows how much information is in a product like Xero, they yeah. might want to be, well, they should be a little bit concerned about what happens. Tell us about the actual process of aggregating and making that data safe.
1: Yeah so look, we have a, a data governance data a data governance board internally where so any insights go through that data governance board and so we are there we have a really strict regime about how that data is is used and I always like to talk about insights rather than data because what we produce is insights we actually don't produce the raw data and it's anonymized and aggregated and rolled up at such a high level that there's clearly nothing in it that would be identifiable in any in any way shape or form so it's really designed to give a much more macro level view of what's going on in the small business economy. Now, you know, we, we can bring that down to uh, industry. We can bring it down to like state, and we've been doing that during during COVID and give that sort of analysis. But it's still at a very aggregated level. When you think of the scale of the Zero platform here in Australia, um, you know, we're talking you know hundreds of thousands of subscribers on the platform. So the information is completely anonymized and aggregated.
0: But how is it anonymized? Because I'm punching information that has my bank account details, the bank account details for my staff. It's got text file numbers in there. How exactly is it protected?
1: Yeah, it's all, so all, that, all the private information is all stripped out. So it's all stripped out. So when it goes to actually get aggregated onto the platform for reporting purposes, all that information is gone. And have so you, it's at a, a red level. Have you, have you ever stuffed that up? Never, not, that I, not that I'm aware of. No, we've never <laughs> stuffed that up. Of course not. I mean, we, it, go, it goes through a really strict data governance policy, and uh, to make sure that we, uh, we don't do that.
0: And then, overarching that is those the, the governing body that you spoke of earlier. Their role data is to oversee that. Is that correct?
1: Correct. So then they make sure that any data insights that we actually produce go through that go through that process to make sure that one it's um, one that it's you know private and two that it's actually uh, that it's actually gone through a, pro, a process where it actually the data insight makes sense as well.
0: Awesome. So this is quite powerful. I mean, you take 10 years ago, we were basically communicating with decision makers and key policymakers through chambers of commerce or through our professional associations. And really, that's just, well, it's just, you know, whispers. It's just people having conversations and trying to get their point across in terms of advocacy. Now we've got real-time information. And I assume that the government and policymakers were really hungry for that. When when it started becoming public and
1: being available, yeah. I mean, as I said before, you know, we, we produce a public pack uh, and, and a media pack, and so if we do get a request to actually get a bit more um, to get some commentary around what that public pack might be, we we, we do provide that um, when we're asked to. We've done some you know work with uh, with Kate Connell from the Small Business Ombudsman. We've done some work with COSBOA and some other government agencies as well. But it's always on that public and media pack information that we that we have available.
0: Right. Okay. So, I had it in my head that there was a pack that went out to the public and then there was a pack for media and there was another pack for government. Have I got that wrong?
1: No, it's a, it's a, it's a subset of the public information. The public information is actually we, we pretty much everything we produce in the public pack is what we do. We just analyse it a little bit different for government if they ask specific questions about it, but it's off that public information.
0: So, what are you trying to drive change with? I mean, obviously, um, this is really powerful. Um, I want to specifically talk about payment times because this is something we've been talking about on the program for a long, for a long time. We, we, we discussed this with Kate Carnell, who is, of course, the Ombudsman for a Small Business for Australia. What are you hoping to achieve by giving this real-time data to government when they're making policy
1: change? I think it's that's not really the point of it like it was more about um, I thought actually the reason we did this from the beginning was that we actually thought we could help because there just wasn't any real-time you know relatively real-time insights available as you just mentioned there was um most it was backdoor conversations or it was rhetoric or it was actually fully understood and so we think we're at a place now at scale where we can provide some insights and trend. More importantly, trends over time. I think it's the trends that are really important. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we could have large debates about how we actually get to definitions of things and how we actually decide to measure things. There's lots to do. So, payment times is a classic. It's a lot of different ways you can measure payment times, and so you need to be a little bit careful. Those, but the key thing is, as long as the definitions stay the same, you can see the trend line over time. That's the key thing. So. Some people will look at that information and go, that's amazing, we're making fantastic progress. Other interest groups will look at that and go, we should be doing way, way better than that. And it's not actually up to us to make that decision and we're not advocating one way or the other. All we're doing is providing an insight on the aggregated anonymous data that's available on our platform.
0: So, just so I understand, when you say payment times, it's literally the invoice goes in on a particular date, it's due on this date, how long is it actually taking for those invoices to be paid Across, however, millions of businesses that you've got in, in your platform,
1: we measure we measure it when it is paid, and so when the, so how long did it take for the invoice to get paid? And our definition is basically at the time when the invoice gets paid. So if the invoice doesn't get paid, it wouldn't actually be included in those payment in those payment times. But I still think you know and that's clear in our definitions, and so we define every metric that we, we release or any insight we actually define what that means. And so because um, once again. Yeah, for your example, Leslie, what a, what is an what's an average small business in Australia? The definition of small business seems I to, was have going to ask there.
0: you that so yeah.
1: many, so many definitions that you know we we, we had to pick some. Um, and as long as we stay true to those, or equally if we do change one over time, as long as we backflush it back through and actually because then it's the trend line over time that's the most yeah. important. So our typical definition is uh, up to ten million dollars in turnover.
0: Irrespective of stuff.
1: Irrespective of staff,
0: right, and irrespective of location or anything else like that, it's correct. Under- okay, yeah. <laughs> would it? Would it? Do you think it would be beneficial? Just getting off topic here. If if we just threw everybody in a room that makes those decisions and say, would you just come up with one definition of small business, please? Do you think that would help?
1: It would make our job a little bit easier in this in this scenario. But as you as you know, it's um, people quite often ask me, you know, uh, what when does a small business accounting product not work for me anymore? And that's that's such a hard question to answer because you might have high turnover but low transactions, mm. or you might have low turnover and massively high transactions and really complex reporting. And so you might need something different. And so that, that it's a really hard question to answer. Um, but long, I think the key thing is as long as those definitions are really clear and explicit, which, which they are, and, you, and you, if you go to the Zero Small Business Insights or searching in Google, there's actually a definitions tab in there and actually defines what all what our uh, all the metrics are.
0: I think you should guide everyone else and we should just lock them in a room and figure this I'll, out. Um,
1: I'll leave that up to you to get the right people in the room to do that. Just, you just tell us what it is and we're happy to follow it, but uh, I, don't, I don't think I want to get involved in that debate. <laughs>
0: So, let's talk about what these insights have actually provided um, the community over the last say twelve months of craziness. what have what are some much. really major things that you've
1: noticed? So this is the uh, this is the latest pack year, which is the uh, up until the end of September. So we do have a, a, a bit of a lag after the end of the month if I. Uh, if we could get accounts and bookkeepers to reconcile their accounts quicker, we'd uh, we'd probably put it out a bit quicker. But that's 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 just for you, Alex. Oh, um, really, I'm
0: the kettle black, but okay.
1: <laughs> no, I'm only I'm, only, I'm I, I only jest. But uh, <laughs> we don't we don't include um, unreconciled um, transactions, oh, okay. and, and yeah, for, for obvious reasons. Um, and then we obviously wait till they're reconciled. So we just give that a little bit of time to sort of flush through, and then um before before we before we do the analysis. But look, uh, it's been. Um, It's it's been fascinating, and so we have have produced a COVID insights report um, every month. It comes out about three weeks after three to three to three and a half weeks after the end of every month, and so uh, the one for the end of October should come out should come out shortly. And uh, the the the, the reality is that small business got got hit super hard. Um, They got hit twice as hard as the overall business economy did in Australia, and. If you look at it from a revenue perspective, they were growing at just slightly above 5% um, pre-COVID, so sort of beginning of March in Australia. You know, by April, it had gone to negative nine. So there's been a 14% swing in, in, in growth, which is you know, just you know, quite a, a devastating growth. What's been fascinating since then, though, is it actually has climbed back quite quickly. So we have seen a V shape. It's probably a little bit hard to see it there, but I'll sort of hold up to the screen. Yep. Um, and we are now back at the end of September, we're back to 5.2% revenue growth. So, it's actually come back quite strongly. And it's also, you know, it's also important to note that includes Victoria. And so, Victoria clearly at the in September was still in in lockdown. Um, and obviously, you know, it's still getting, having quite a lot of impact on the economy. there. So, it's actually come back quite quite strongly. Of course, we've also been looking at uh, at, at jobs as well during that time. And, you know, uh, very similar. So, Jobs dropped 11.9% pretty much as soon as COVID hit, very heavily weighted towards casuals. Um, and, and the reality is small businesses don't have many levers they can pull. Mm. You know, when, time, when times get tough, what levers do you pull? And, you know, one of the first levers they pulled was obviously casual employment. And so we saw a massive drop in casual employment. That has actually recovered as well, but not as well as as revenue. And so it's, it's back, it's about 3.9% below where it was pre COVID. So it's a bit of a lagging indicator and it's a, it's probably a whole lot of us, you know, come up with a whole lot of conclusions why that might be, but I think a lot of it's probably down to confidence. So even though this, obviously, economy is bouncing back strongly, um, you know, taking, going out and hiring that extra person or bringing that person back on as a commitment Mm -hmm. at the moment. So, I think we need to keep a really close watch on small business owners to make sure they're not taking on too much at the moment as well. And hopefully, as a confidence build-up, they start to bring people back on, which is really important. There's so much data in here. I could, I could literally spend a whole podcast reading through this report, but um, it is available on our website. So, just, just uh, search for Zero Small Business Insights uh, COVID report, and it's available.
0: Now, you mentioned that this has been going on for a number of years, and obviously you're looking at, um, at, at the whole trend line. Um, if we took COVID out of the picture, um, what sort of other fluctuations have you been noticing over the, over the period of time before COVID hit that were of note and interesting?
1: Yeah, so look, uh, so, so payment, payment times had been coming down. And interesting enough, they haven't. They've still actually uh, been coming down during COVID times as well. So overall, based on the, based on the way that we measure payment times, it have, they have been coming down, um, which is quite well, fascinating. I actually thought they I was might. Say, go. Why, do you, why do you think that is? What What are your
0: thoughts
1: on that? Well, I, I think there's been a focus on it. I think uh, I think Kate Carnell and Sport Business have done a great job really raising the profile and the issue around late payments. And so that's that's been um, I think that's really really helped. And I think there's been you know a number of you know, larger businesses out there that have really sort of got, got behind that. Not everyone, and there's still a lot of work still to be done, but it is at a high level, it's heading in the right direction and it has been coming down. Um, I did find it quite fascinating that it's kept coming down during COVID times. I, I, I thought you, know, you logically think, once again, not many levers to pull. I would actually thought potentially that might have drifted the wrong way again, but, but it hasn't, and it, That's quite an interesting fact, and we're still trying to understand why that might be. I I suspect it may be something to do with government stimulus payments as well, potentially, but it's hard hard to actually really know.
0: Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if there's any trickle-down effect from those ending around that. Yeah,
1: correct, correct. I mean, as as we enter the recovery, it's going to be really interesting as well.
0: What are your thoughts on manufacturing? Because that's uh, something that's coming back um, into the media attention at the moment with a push to try and improve manufacturing um, rates in Australia and have more things made here. Um, are any of your insights able to provide any um, information on that
1: moving forward? It's almost like a loaded question, Alexi, which it wasn't, by the way, but uh, that's a really, really good question. And uh, as you would expect, you know, the industries that were hardest hit by COVID were the ones that are most impacted by lockdowns. And so hospitality and arts and recreation were hit, were hit the hardest Right in front of that I actually don't have the worst scenario they got to, but it was, it was up in the 40% drop-off in, in, in revenues for those industries when they first got hit. And as at the end of September, hospitality is still minus 8%, and arts and recreation is minus 5% as at the end of September. Interesting though, manufacturing is growing at 13% and has been consistently growing throughout COVID. So we've seen growth in both manufacturing revenues and manufacturing employment. Okay, is that, because, fascinating.
0: is that because that sector traditionally are very good at pivoting or is it because we've got so few people still manufacturing in Australia that they got all the media attention and they got an explosion in revenue as a result? Actually,
1: I don't know. This is the great This is the great thing about the insights. It goes back to your original question. Or one of your first questions today was at the end of the day, we can provide you with the insight. So this is what our data, data insights are showing us, what the story is behind that. I Honestly, don't know. And uh, you and I could guess, and we could have all the, We could have a, de- a really, probably, a fantastic debate about what it might be. You know, I've heard people say it might be because people pivoted and started making hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer, and face masks, and that may well be true. But I wouldn't have thought that would actually equate to thirteen percent growth. That's that's quite a high number. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it might just be the fact that people have decided to, to buy more from home, or the fact that the global supply chain was interrupted. During COVID, and people to continue on had to find a local product in their supply chain to actually continue business. It could be any of those things or more, but I think the great thing is to show that it is actually growing, and I think it's, it's fantastic. And so I mean, personally, I'm, I'm really excited to see manufacturing picking up here in Australia.
0: Yeah, I mean, history will tell the reasons why, and, and I think all of this information that you're providing the public is going to be really interesting in terms of a historical economic document as well. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Small Business Matters here on Triple H 100.1 FM. We're going to take a quick break here, and when we return, we're going to speak more with Trent Innes from Zero about what the small business insights that they provide more and more regularly these days are going to do to drive government policy. We will be back after this. This episode of Small Biz Matters is proudly sponsored by the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman's Office. Led by Kate Carnell since its establishment only four years ago, Aspifio has provided education, advocacy and support, including free assistance if a small business is involved in a dispute. The office also provides assistance for disputes that fall under the franchising, dairy, horticultural and oil industry codes. Kate Carnell, as an independent advocate for small business owners, has the legislative power to influence our nation's lawmakers, ensuring legislation and regulations are put in place to help small businesses grow and in these times, survive. Small businesses are the engine room of the economy and it's Aspifio's role to do all they can to ensure they have the freedom to innovate, employ and thrive well into the future. Welcome back to Small Business Matters here on Triple H 100.1 FM. We are speaking with Trent Innes from Zero, And we're talking all about the power of data. And we know as small businesses how important that data is for driving decisions that we make on an individual level and almost as, uh, I guess, um, a group of businesses as well. But what about the power of that data when it comes to making decisions at a really high level? What about those policymakers? What about the politicians? What are they doing when they read this information? And I guess, Trent, I want to ask you about the fairness of being, um, I guess, the leader when it comes to this data aggregation. I mean this doesn't this doesn't come cheap does it to zero you're providing business and the small business community with this information and you're basically doing it sort of out of the goodness of your own heart because you've got to aggregate it you've got to work with alpha beta you've got this entire um you know structure that looks after the data to make sure that it's useful um why do you continue to do this as a software company when it costs so much money
1: um, so I actually see it as part of our responsibility because I think, you know, if you think, look at um, at the customer base that we serve being small business. There's actually, I said this earlier that in the program, there's not a lot known about them. They're massively diverse. Individually, they're actually, they're quite easy to um, almost ignore. But when you consolidate them together, they're super important. As you know, I mean, you think about... You know, how, how many people are employed by the small business economy? You know what the impact on GDP is. So it's a substantial segment of the of the economy, there actually wasn't that much known about them. So really, what we were hoping to achieve off this was actually just to provide some more in real time, uh, reasonably real time insights into actually what's really happening at an aggregate level. I should be I should preface by saying it is a insight it is a data point. I mean, there's lots of, there are other ones out there as well, and I'm sure you know policymakers look at a number of different data points to actually help them make informed decisions, and this is just one of those data points that we're hoping can actually have a positive impact on the way they make decisions and investments.
0: And are you the only ones in this sector who are doing um, this sort of data analysis
1: at such a scale? Uh, in the small business economy, as far as I'm aware, I think we are. Uh, there's others that run surveys and do survey-based information, which tends to give you more sentiment than than data insights. Mm. Um, and we do some survey information as well because the, the data won't give you a sentiment; it gives you it gives you you know the the insight. As far as I'm aware, we we, we we are. But I would think over time, I think you'll see more tech companies provide more, more information like this. I mean, even even some of the some of the make great things available. Take take Google for an example. I'm a massive I love Google Trends. I don't know if you've seen, have you spent any time on Google Trends. Indeed. Like I would I would rather spend time on Google Trends than watch Netflix. <laughs> I find it fascinating because I see the trend line over time to see what's actually happening, what people are searching for and what does that mean. You know, you've got the likes of um, REA Group, you know, realestate.com.au. They they provide amazing insights on the property market that we never had before. We didn't know how your suburb was performing, you know, relative to other... F- so, there, there's a lot of tech companies out there providing, you know, views of aggregated anonymized information to actually help, you know, consumers and business owners make more informed decisions.
0: Have you thought about partnering with um, already established advocacy groups or professional associations to make what they're doing in terms of their surveys more powerful.
1: So I think once again it comes back to what I said before. So I think we are once one data point or one chip insight, which of course they are more than welcome to use. And you know, and if they've got any specific questions about it, as long as we can facilitate it, we're happy to happy to answer that. If we can provide some more insight, and and we make the economists from Alpha Beta available where where, where appropriate, we can't answer every single query that comes down the line. And we do, I'll be honest, we do get requests for data insights. That we just can't provide and accounting, accounting data won't show you answers to everything. And so you're, you know, you're, you're, you're a bookkeeper. You completely understand what the data can and can't show you sometimes. And we can't, we can't show everything. So we're very conscious of, you know, sticking to our wheelhouse to a degree about what insights we can, we can provide. But you know, in that public information we present, uh, we present every month that they're, they're, they're more than, yeah, uh, you know, they can absolutely use that. And if they've got any questions about it, they should reach out to us. Cool.
0: So in the last few years, one of the things that you've done really well is bringing to um, the front of everyone's attention the importance of having quality bookkeepers and accountants on your side and the role of the advisor. So in a way, you're taking that role as, uh, I guess, an advocacy group for the people who are more likely to use your product. You're kind of bleeding into that small business area of advocacy too, are you not? By um, providing them with this amazing tool of insights, do you see yourselves as an advocacy group?
1: Not at all. I see us I see as providing insights, and so I think we provide high level insights. Um, and as goes back to what we talked about before, people how people view that insight will vary quite dramatically. So some people will see it positively, potentially. Some people will see it negatively. Some people may say, that's amazing. Some people will go, I can't believe we need to do more work in that space. That's not going where we want it to go. I don't think it's up to us to make that that decision or call. In fact, I don't want us doing that. In fact, really what I wanted small business insights to be from the very beginning was a set of usable data insights that people could take and interpret how they saw fit to to interpret it. It's not up to us to do that. I mean, if we go down that path, it's a completely different different avenue of business. And that's not, that's not what the intent of this was at all. It was really, it was really it was it was to try and help Like It was actually to try and shine a light on a what I see is amazingly um an amazing sector of the economy that I feel historically is actually misrepresented and not and under and underinvested in lots of different ways. It doesn't, it doesn't feel that the stories were really coming through at a macro about how important they are to the economy. And I think that's kind of shining through more than ever right now. If you think, if you think what's happening off the back of COVID, and we we've seen this every time there's been some form of economic downturn, and it hasn't been a lot in the last thirty years. You had the GFC in two thousand and eight dot com crash in two thousand, and the last time we had a recession was the early nineties. You know, and now we're facing you know economic downturn probably like we've we hopefully we'll never see again in our lifetimes. If you look at historically what's happened there, what what's fascinating off the back of that is there's usually a uh, spike in business creation off the back of that because people are displaced from employment predominantly, so it's a supply and demand thing more than anything else. So we are going to see a spike in in business creation, I suspect, coming off the back of this. And so if people if this these insights can help people decide where to do that and how to do that, I think that's really really important. And also it should help. Potentially some um, advocacy groups and even government departments make informed decisions or better informed decisions around where to invest that money as well. Because the small business economy is going to be where the jobs and growth come from in the next in the next period of time. It has to be. I, I just can't see where else it can be. Well,
0: statistically, it always has been and statistically yeah. it will be. So having this – I
1: think it will spike even more than normal because uh, we've gone that way. So we've, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in the equilibrium. It will go back and spike over the equilibrium back the other way.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, definitely you guys have got the ones with all that information that, that really provides with that. So, there's, I think what's important to note here is that you're expressing small business insights very much as a tool, um, not necessarily a driver or it's not your intention to change policy or whisper in the ears of politicians who are making these decisions.
1: Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. People may use the insights that are actually far more qualified to me to have those discussions. And that's that's up to them, and that and the data insights will probably help tell the story they're trying to tell potentially. Mm. Uh, but that's up to them to actually do that. But there's lots of, as I said before, there's lots of other data insights out there as well that you would see they would combine those together to help tell their story. Um, but it, that's not that's definitely not our intent. Our intent is to actually provide insights that nobody has been able has been able to show before.
0: So, reassure me with the way that you are intending to work with the advocacy groups who are, let's face it, they're there because they've been either government appointed or they're there because they've been elected by their members as opposed to um, an organisation that has other reasons for doing this sort of thing. How do you work with the advocates moving forward into the future with this powerful
1: data set? So, look, we've 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 met with the majority of them, unless there's some that I that I'm not not aware of. But it was always so when I approached them, and even when I approached government. So back in 2017, the first launches, I did actually go and spend a bit of time up in up in Parliament House, and the, and the intent there at that time was to actually try and understand what information or what insights could we provide that would be helpful. And it was really that that was my whole position. How could how could we help? Um, how could we actually help you make? Is there, is there some? Is there a way that if we produce some high level aggregated macro level insights, what would that look like? And that's kind of where cash flow came from, employment came from, and they're all, you know, what they're all very obvious. They're all very obvious in hindsight. But it's the same with the advocacy groups as well. Is that we, you know, we provide these publicly. We provide a subset of them to the media with a bit of commentary that Alpha Beta help us with. But outside of that, if they actually want some more information in it, we actually have some people internally that are happy to happy to commentate on it if, if that makes sense. If they were trying to understand what that you know what the definition might be behind that metric, what does what does it mean? Do we have any further insights on it? You know, we're happy to do that where, where it makes sense. But at the end of the day, we're providing uh, an insight. that It's up to them to interpret how they interpret it.
0: So we're not necessarily going to see any communications or information coming out of zero that says, you know, we represent small business, we are small business, we advocate for small business. That's not on the cards.
1: That's definitely not the intent. That's not that. That's not the intent. Um, the intent is definitely to stay in our wheelhouse, which is about an aggregated, anonymous view of some cool insights that's going on, um, and you know, it, it's to help. You now we, we 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 are super passionate about this sector of the economy. That's, it's basically, you know, this is, this, is what, this is what we do, you know, and so it's about helping as much as we possibly can.
0: Mm, as opposed to advocating.
1: As, as opposed to advocating.
0: Fantastic. Look, um, Trent, I can't thank you enough for coming on the program. i know sure. you're incredibly busy, especially with all these insights and how important they are that you provide <laughs> constantly. Um, let us know where we can find out more about Xero and Small Business Insights.
1: First place is just go online and search for, uh, go online, go to Google and search for zero small business insights um, and all the information's there. Uh, what is fascinating is we do this for Australia, New Zealand and the UK. So, are a little bit unique in the ability we can actually compare countries and how they've actually uh, dealt with COVID. And the graphs over the three countries tell a really interesting story about the different approaches that government's actually taken. So, I found that quite fascinating as well. I don't think there's anyone else that's able to do that either. So, it's um, definitely worth a look.
0: Well, the power of data certainly speaks not only to the individual small business owner but how it can be used in the global community for small business as well. Thank you so much for joining Small Business Matters today. Now, if you've missed any of today's program, you can, of course, catch up via smallbizmatters.com.au where there are over 190 podcasts just like this one where you can grow your business, understand your business, and basically get good quality small business education. My name has been Alexi Boyd. Uh, Listen to us next week with another round of great guests. And we hope you all have a great week. Thanks for joining me. This week's episode was proudly broadcast from Triple H Studios in Sydney, Australia, and sponsored by the Office of the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman. If you've enjoyed listening, go ahead and give us some thank you stars on your podcasting platform. It would be much appreciated. Then head to the Small Biz Matters website, where you can listen to over 170 episodes, read more about our speakers, and find out how to become
1: a media partner.